0: Amen. Did everyone receive one of these little half- pagers when you came in? This is Nava's first sermon notes in printed form since 1987. So if you would like one of these, raise your hand. Maybe everybody got them. Huh? Katie. <laughs> That's amazing. (coughs) Yeah, there you go. Tim says we could auction this off for the faith fund. Nava's first sermon notes. All right. Morning, all. Good to be with you. Hopefully, your brains are not overloaded. That was a lot of information to intake. And communications a high value and as Adam expressed since we gather in this form only once a month we try to include every piece of pertinent family information so that by the grace of God you stay informed and up to speed with things that are happening the text is crucial Sign up for the text at the back. You just put your cell phone number and basically say, I'm happy to receive these text messages from you. And we give them about once a week. Maybe it's a little bit more than once a week. But here's the second thing. you got to open those text messages. You, it just is essential that when you get it, then you open it. And then the third thing, David, is you got to read it. It's, it's really a three-part process. You sign up for it. Uh, it and in, in all seriousness, it is because we value your participation, yeah. you being aware, informed, so that you can engage how you want to engage and know what's happening, yeah? Text messages. Okay. Um, this morning, I'm going to be teaching out of the sermon notes, as mentioned, uh, but first I need to give an announcement and an update on mine and Molly's life, personally. Um, For those that don't know and that are new here, uh, Adam and I, just at the turn that he was marrying Julie, Molly and I were into a couple years of marriage, and another couple of people uh, planted this church 17 years ago, and we said yes to Jesus and had nothing but faith and naivety, quite honestly, Um, and the support of a lot of wiser, older men and women who said, yep, this is Jesus, you guys need to do this. And two years ago, I started to have dreams. Two years ago, I had a series of two dreams that stopped me in my tracks, that got my attention, and started speaking to transition. I'll share what transition is in a moment, um, because it's a powerful and potent spiritual word, actually, uh, that a lot of you need to know about. Uh, So two years ago, I have two dreams. The first dream, in the middle of the dream, I'm walking down a path and abruptly I jump off of a cliff. And I free fall for a few seconds and I land safely. I wake up the next morning and I know within 10 seconds that God is saying there's a leap of faith coming and it's coming quickly. So you, you write that down, you pay attention, right? And I just stored it away and God got my attention. A month later, I have another dream And in this dream, I am required to turn in a vehicle that I drove to Kansas City in when I was 20 years old. Okay, I drive to Kansas City, I'm 20 years old, that car is in the dream, and I know God is saying, it's time to turn in this vehicle. I wake up the next morning, and I know immediately that God is saying, I want you to turn in the vehicle I gave you. And I knew it had to do with pastoring, I knew it had to do with leading, so that's two years ago and began to go on a process with our lead team, with Molly, with trusted advisors, trying to steward these dreams, right? Within the span of about six months, we announced to our home church leaders that I was gonna reduce to a half-time role. So September, a year ago, and probably a lot of you don't even know that, September, a year ago, I moved from a full-time lead team member to a half-time lead team member, and have been in a half-time capacity since then. Now, as we've just walked through this process of stewarding and hearing God and responding to his voice and responding to uh, the dreams, quite honestly, that brought the fear of the Lord to my heart, um, I know that it is time for me to transition off the lead team, effective January 1st. So really important to know that I will move into a non-paid role as an elder with the Gadoos, Tim and Laurie, with Doug and Julie Day, with Josh and Meredith Johnson, and with Graham Cato. And the rest of the lead team consists of the Coxes, Katie Egli, and Adam Schiarelli, who's still in Portland. So that will take place January 1st. Um, there's no negative catalyst for this, friends. There's no strife within the team. Um, I'm not burnt out on the work. I really enjoy pastoring. I really enjoy leading. I, as I've reflected um, this week in particular in prep for this, have just been overwhelmed by a flood of memories and moments that have enriched my life and our life. Molly and I have grown our marriage here, our boys and Nora, this is all they've known and grown up in, and just feel so incredibly grateful. So many retreat moments, so many so many meetings, dear God, so many meetings, so many meetings, uh, so many lunches and coffees and all the things I love being involved in people's lives of helping you and others follow Jesus of navigating difficulty and tension and interpersonal relationships and mediating and all those things. I really enjoy it and and I'm going to miss it. Like feel the loss of it, uh, genuinely in ways that Maybe I expect it in ways that I'm also surprised by, you know? And um, yeah, so the heart's tender, sobered, I'm thankful that we're staying in Kansas City, thankful that we're staying here in Nava, thankful that we're staying as home church leaders. Molly and I lead a home church because we deeply believe in it. It's just our conviction of church in it's, if I can say it this way, best expression. It's not its only expression, it's just our personal conviction. We love it, wanna to continue to do it, but that will take place January 1st of this year. Real briefly, what I'm heading into is a bit of unknown. It's, there's a lot of clarity around it, but there's still some unknowns. The day that I moved to Halftime, Nava, I met a guy who I knew about in the city, and he invited me in to help him and work with him to coach and serve nonprofits and businesses, that they would become healthier and they would become more fruitful within their kind of organizational vision and goals and objectives. So that meeting took place unplanned, uh, uncoordinated. The day I went to halftime with NABA, so I'm heading into that, and there is there is a lot of faith that is associated with that. There is a lot of faith that is associated with that. That we welcome your prayers, but we know it's Jesus. Um, we're convinced of it we're excited about it and we're you know the the new and the unknown brings its own sense its own sense of of instability right and well what's this going to be like how is this actually going to go we don't really don't know it's the only adult job i have <laughs> is here with this church and in leading with 24/7 what adam was referring to the larger tribe that we're a part of yeah uh so Here's the thing, friends, and here's the crux of the message this morning is I didn't sign up to lead. I signed up to follow Jesus. It's just what hopefully all of us signed up for is to follow Jesus. And I sat with this question, what, what are the things that stick out most to me about following Jesus in all of life for all of my life? And this is not a comprehensive list. These are not the five keys. These are my five keys, if you will. And they come from 17 years of being with this church and from my own interaction and journey with Jesus personally, and then from just paying attention to what a lot of others have gone through and or have struggled with. So I submit these to you for your own engagement with Holy Spirit that you would fellowship and interact with these things and perhaps even craft your own because it's so helpful to know and identify those things that are unequivocally yours by the Holy Spirit. They get sewn into who you are. They inform so much of how you see God and how you want to follow him with all of your life for all of your life. Yeah. Okay. So the first one, let me just see where I'm at here. Guys, I got so many notes. Okay, thanks, buddy. Um, man, I told you I was going to bring a definition of tra- transition. We'll see if I do that. Um, at the outset, know this, that um, I assume that prayer and the scriptures are a part of your life. I did not list them as one of the five keys because I assume that prayer and the scriptures are a part of your life. Simply put, if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to talk to him, and you have to engage words that are more valuable and reliable than the thoughts that go through your head every day. The scriptures are the reliable words of God that bring me back to center when my thoughts are all over the place, and my thoughts are all over the place all the time. Dear God, as others know, I'm for sure ADD. It's just... There's no doubt about it. So when my thoughts, I need reliable words, and they land on the pages of scripture for my personal edification enrichment and to remind me, dear God, of who he is, what he's like, and what he has for us in Christ Jesus. So again, I'm assuming you, gotta, you, got, you pray, you talk to Jesus, and you're reading the scriptures in some interval. I don't care if it's at night or in the morning, in your car, Audio, anything, baby. Get into it daily. All right. Key one, obedience, radical obedience in light of his radical goodness. I I didn't really want to include the word radical at first because I was like, this is like 1980s, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I was like, it's such a weird word, radical. And I felt compelled to include it because it means thorough. It means complete. Thorough and complete Obedience because of his thorough and complete goodness. Friends, this one is core to me and it is the starting place of my sure footing in God to follow him with all of my life for all of my life. Goodness is, it's not something that changes. Goodness is not an action of God, he is constantly good. It defines who he is. He is good. I love that Graham uses this in LTS. It means God is the best for you, and he has the best for you. He is the best for you, and he has the best for you. If you are going to take a risk in faith, in obedience to something that you don't think you can do, if you don't see him rightly, and as I put here in the bottom as a question— if you don't trust him, to the extent that you trust him is the extent that you are willing to obey, especially when it's risky. Wow. Yeah. And this one, you, you, you come back to, and I've come back to hundreds of times, for sure, the start of more journal pages than anything else for me is he is good and his love endures forever. It's Psalm 100. It's Psalm 136. That's actually on our Faith Fund report on the front page. Uh, This scripture, this song of Israel, this prayer, this proclamation is core to obeying Jesus radically for all of your life, with all of your life. How you see him and equally how you don't see him affects your ability and your willingness to follow him and go where he is going. Man, the goodness of God, so overwhelmed and compelled by God's goodness, and I come back to it again and again. So I put here at the bottom of each of these keys a question and then a caution. The caution is playing it safe according to your rationale. And I put there the safest place to be is where he has you. Uh, Through the years, quite honestly, and even in light of this transition, I've just heard our own rationale trying to place us where we think is best for us. So people have said, well, in light of all the economic and political turmoil, are you sure you should do this job change? And I'd be like, no, I'm not sure I should. For sure, this seems ludicrous. For sure, the economy is throwing me a little bit for a loop. However, I know... The safest place for me, for my family to be is where God has us to be. So the caution is mindful of your own rationale, friends, that will put you somewhere you think you should be rather than in surrender to God's goodness of where he has you to be. So our friends in the Middle East, which Josh and Meredith lived there, that was the safest place for them to be. Even if the country was war-torn and in chaos, it is still the safest and best place for them to be. Dremere in Lebanon, the Jaffees in Iraq. Like, it is the safest and best place for you to be. And do not compare yourself to where others are, yeah? Second key, lifelong embrace of spiritual formation. Whew. Man, friends, the, uh, <laughs> the journey of identity formation never stops. You just never arrive at the other side of this one. Just already, just put a stake in the ground, commit to it, say, oh, for the rest of my life will be the unfolding of who God is and who you are in light of who he is. And it is his gift to you to form you, to shape you, to reform you, to transform you. I put the scripture here, Second Corinthians 3.18, which is an, it's a whopper verse, but it says you behold him, you see who he is, and you're transformed into his image progressively or ongoingly as you look at him. I love relying on the work of the Spirit to transform me and receiving all of life's chaos as a gift for my personal transformation. So one of the keys and one of the things I've learned perpetually through pastoring is if you can, by the grace of God, look at a situation and ask, what is this revealing about me rather than what is this revealing about the dysfunctional people that I'm with all the time? Because you're jacked up just as much as the people around you are jacked up. (laughs) And it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So you, I invite you to reframe situations that bring tension, that bring distraction, that bring challenge and pressure to reframe them and say, Holy Spirit, what is this revealing about me that I can lean into? And I compel you in the grace of God, friends, lean into uncomfortability and awkwardness and receive these situations as a gift for your formation and for your good. They don't feel that way. Dear God, Rob Black, they don't feel that way. Man, you're like, what is happening? It hurts. It's painful. It's challenging. Yes. Which is why I put here as the question, do you believe God is using your pain and difficulty for your good and growth? Please sit with this and please answer it sometime. Journal with this one. And the caution, stop. How did I word it on this? Yeah, the caution is trying to graduate out of God's strength made perfect in your weakness. I think that's a great statement. <laughs> oh, we are all, yeah, we are all trying to knowingly or unknowingly graduate out of God's strength made perfect in our weakness. Man, I got busted on this one, oh, so hard, friends, about five, six years ago. I genuinely and by deception, believed it was God's plan B to use weakness. I I really did. I had watched way too many, like, Russell Crowe and Braveheart movies, for real. It was like, no, you are strong. You conquer, you do this. If you can't hack it, you go somewhere else. Like, I, I didn't know that I believed it until God revealed that I really did believe that strength was better than weakness. I didn't like that God, it is best, is revealed through your weakness. That's hard. That's hard for me. That's why I say and implore you to embrace and not try to graduate out of God's strength made perfect through your weakness and embrace it and realize it's going to be a lifelong journey with this. And it's not easy. I, it wasn't easy for me. I'm still like fighting at it. i come like I'm trying to still speak out of it. And that revelation and change is still happening in me. But it started with repentance. God, forgive me for believing the lie that strength is better than weakness. And that weakness is your plan B. I genuinely thought, well, if we can't make it and can't do it in strength, fortunately, the plan B is God's gracious and will use weakness. Rather than the priority of embracing weakness, our limits, our shortcomings, our failures as the, as the primary pathway to put the best of who God is on display through your life, through my life, for all of our lives. Key three, you need other people in your life. In order to make it into and live into these first two, you got to have other people. You got to have other people. The scripture here, I put Romans 12, just speaks to the beauty of the body of Christ, which is diverse in its expression, its strengths. We are membered to one another. And in this room, we have the beautiful litany and array of who God is, and we need. One another, in order to grow. Yes, through tension, but also through encouragement, through the strengths that we genuinely have in our giftings and callings by God. You cannot have a healthy body without the body. You cannot have a healthy body, spirit, soul, mind, without the body of Christ. You need others. We need others. God put us into a family to be close, elbow to elbow, like we're here, so that we bump in and rub into one another and feel all the funk that comes with that, but also so that we are built up, mutually edified, encouraged, strengthened. It is an amazing design of God, and it is a key to your formation, to your growth, that you would follow him with all of your life for all of your life. It's the beauty of why I I said I believe so deeply in home church because it's knowable. I have to see and hear from Jay Saucer because he's sitting two feet away from me and we're talking and dialoguing and we're also interacting enough that we bump into one another and sometimes that's funky and you got to work through that, right? We need one another in order to grow and become the fullness of who God made us to be so we can see him and so we can be formed by him. So the question and the caution there who are the people i want to serve and lean into i encourage you to write them down who are the people you go to when you know what hits the fan who are the people you go to when you know you need to make a big decision like my family and i have just made who are those individuals you go to they're trustworthy they're reliable they're godly and they're diverse i go to tim because sometimes tim will say something i don't want to hear you've got to have somebody that says something that you don't want to hear If you just have yes people, you're in trouble. You welcome people to challenge and disagree with you for your good and for your sharpening and shaping, yeah? So write down those individuals. Who are they? So you can serve them as well. I think that's really important. And the caution, blaming others, holding others responsible for where you are stuck. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that one. I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. I just have heard it, man, a lot through the years. Our own pain and frustration will cause us to grab on to somebody close and to put blame on them. I did it two weeks ago. I called a pastor guy who pastors me because all of us have people that are pastoring us as well because it's wise and it's humility and it's essential um and i was processing attention with another leader not a leader in this room or connected to nava and i was looking for him to affirm that i was right and that the other guy was wrong because of course that's what we do here's the situation i'm hurting and here's how this person messed up right and i laid it out and it was crystal clear baby i'm (laughs) telling you And this dear father in the Lord, he's in his 60s. He said, you know, David, here's the thing with Jesus. And I still didn't know it was coming, I promise you. I was like, all right, whatever. Here's the thing with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing with Jesus. He just never stops talking about forgiveness. And I still didn't get it. I was like yeah, 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 he's like, you got to stop blaming them right now. And you respond to Jesus who says, you never stop forgiving. And then it pierced. And then I'm thinking about Peter and the guys like, how many times, Jesus, do I got to forgive my brother? Seven times? Seven's plenty. But Jesus is like, 70 times seven, you never stop because forgiveness is freedom, it, forgiveness is freedom. And I learned something probably 15 years ago that so helped me with forgiveness that I literally visualize the people that I've put in the jail cell. And I, through forgiveness, see myself turning the key and letting their butts out of jail. It's profound. Now, as Lori Gadu and others that have walked with a lot of crazy situations will tell you, there's a process with that. And of course, I'm sharing things in general terms and not able to go into each and every situation because there are very detailed and complex situations of which what I am saying is just not as loving or kind. But I think you hear me. Yeah? Am I okay, Lori? I'm okay. I'm making sure. But that I had to do. I had to bless, I had to forgive, and I had to let those butts out of jail. And it was really good and really hard at the same time. Okay, so sit with that. Holy Spirit will be kind to you. Number four, you hear his voice. I was gonna add a bunch of other things next to this and I just kept feeling like you just gotta keep it simple. A key to following Jesus for all of your life With all of your life for all of your life is you you got to hear his voice and you do hear his voice each one of you are children of god you hear god so many in the room and so many i've walked through feel like they don't hear god or they can't hear god and or in particular they have experiences where they didn't hear correctly and they get stuck just like they keep replaying, man, that situation. I thought it was God and I moved. And then it just it gets them stuck in that place and in unbelief. And so the invitation is childlike faith and a rehearsing that you hear God. And more importantly, that God is better at speaking and better at leading than you are at hearing and that you are at following. Which means your childlike faith is putting confidence in who he is, altogether good, altogether lovely, altogether loving and leaning towards you to help you follow him with all of your life, for all of your life. You can hear his voice. You are good at hearing his voice. And please stop comparing how you hear it versus how somebody else hears it. You got to shake that junk off and you got to stand confidently in who you are as well as how you hear and cultivate some history and pattern of how he speaks to you, which is different. Listen, I've been in so many lead team meetings with the most incredible people, Rob Black, Adam and Julie, Katie, Chia, Sarah Wood, Cutter, so many amazing people. We have a practice of submitting decisions and hearing God. Friends, the number of times I hear a scripture That is ridiculous and so far from relevant is way into the hundreds. I promise you, I have continued to come back and believe that God will speak to me through the scriptures. 98% of the time, I don't get a scripture address. I've heard Galatians 4 133 times for sure, and it never works. It just never works. And part of that was because Adam and Julie, that's a primary way. And Graham, that's a primary way God speaks, gives an address. That's not a primary way he speaks to me. So I had to push that over here. That was a squirt noise. I don't know why it squirted over here. (laughs) It squirted over there. Squirted over here. And no, there's a way that Holy Spirit prefers to speak to me. There's a way Holy Spirit prefers to speak to you. Own it. Know it. And build a confident track record with God through a fumbling forward of like, oh, man. So that's why I say the caution is you can't hold too tightly to those times you didn't hear well. They will block you and and unknowingly prevent you from going and hearing again. Don't stop going to him like a child and hearing his voice. I haven't stopped trying to hear through the scriptures. I'm not exaggerating when I say hundreds I'm serious. Hundreds of times the scripture was like on another planet. It was so far from the moment. And somehow I've maintained grace and humility to keep going and ask Him to speak and still thumbing through Galatians 4. No! It's One of these days. One of these days it'll be there. John 10 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Man, Lord, thank you for your voice. We got to have it. Yeah, we got to have it. Man, I heard this guy, um, Todd Hunter is the leader of the Anglican Church now. Is that right? Anglican Church? I think so. And um, a couple weeks ago, I heard him say, you know what? Jesus never said to people, go now, your cynicism has made you well. <laughs> he just never said that. Jesus said, go now, your faith has made you well. Ah, oh, man, I love that quote. We need that. <laughs> and we need to retire cynicism as our hopeful pathway to healing. Jesus just never said your doubt made you well, your frustrations made you well. It's okay, like we process honestly. But friends, the words of Jesus are striking. Go now, your faith has made you well. Man, let us live a life of faith, hearing his voice, trusting he's gonna speak, leaning into difficulty, leaning into tension for our own formation and development coming back to His goodness, which may not even match our circumstances in the moment, because that's when it gets really hard. Go now, your faith has made you well. The last key, all is grace. All is grace. Man, my most favorite meal experience, about 1998, That week, I had made just an utter mess of things. I was sneaking in and out of bars with an impressively good fake ID. I was in and out of casinos and anything else that you could get into when you're 21 but you look like you're 13, which I did at that point. I'm 18 years old. And it was a horrendous week. At the end of that week, I sat down at a table And the most incredible fresh baked bread you could possibly imagine came out. And I got a portion of the finest wine you can conceive of. And I heard the words, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Drink, this is my blood shed for you. And the grace of God washed over me And I said out loud, I know there is more joy in you than in all that I've just experienced this week. The grace of God is the most incredible meal, friends, you will ever dive into and taste. The grace of God is the invisible presence and power of God that is always at work always moving towards you, always winning you to Jesus, and he never tires of it. You cannot outrun the grace of God. You can't fully comprehend the grace of God. It touches every single part of you. The grace of God enables you to hear what you can't hear, to see what you can't see, to believe what you can't believe, to do what you cannot do. All is grace. Everything that we have is grace. We all have it. We cannot fully walk in it without the help of the Holy Spirit. Desperate, desperately need the Holy Spirit's help on the inside of us to cooperate with the grace of God. I suggest that there's probably no more of an important word other than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for you to grapple with, for you to say out loud, for you to seek to discover and understand more fully than grace. The grace of God. And it is all of our lives. And it is endless in its discovery, in its application, in its importance. And it has absolutely changed everything about my life the grace of god and i beckon you into it way more than maybe you've ever gone into it the reason i left the caution and the challenge vacant here um, is because i want you to sit with grace and i want you to this week consider asking holy spirit about grace okay holy spirit what's my caution jesus what should i be cautioned around with grace What's the question you want me to ponder and consider more fully as it relates to grace? It's profound, the grace of God. It is the very energy that is moving with us and towards us and for us in this transition, which genuinely feels like jumping off of a cliff. You you, you can't do it. I cannot do it without the grace of God. And thank God I don't have to. And neither do you. None of us. In any of the crazies that we face, that we go through, family, marriage, parenting, life, finances, relationships, dating, not dating, singlehood, all of it, all is grace. And it is an eternal treasure for you to receive and walk in. You will be blown away and surprised time and time again because life is too short to not believe like a child that he will encounter you with his grace again and again and again and again and again. And, again. and each moment with grace wins you to the person who loves you most, who made you, and has the best for you. Oh, I love the grace of God, friends. Absolute. Love the grace of God. I want to pray. Adam, if you want to come up here. I want to pray for you out of these keys, friends, and into the grace of God and into even this just little assignment, if you would. Yeah, yeah, come up. You hear my voice, Adam. Oh, man, Lord... Thankful for grace today. So thankful for this moment. Thankful for the privilege of having gotten to preach here as a lead team member. Maybe they'll invite me again, Lord. Um, I'm so grateful, Father. So grateful. Late night prayers with Adam. At middle of the night prayer slots. Sat, slots. Um, so grateful, Jesus, for this people, this family. And the thousands that have been in and out of Nava and the Boiler Room through the years. And I just say thank you. Thank you for your grace. And now I bless this beautiful family in the room right now. The grace of God. Would you, Jesus Christ, pursue each one of them tenaciously with your grace? Would you surprise them? Would you overwhelm them? Would you override all of the insanity that may be happening in their life right now? by your grace, to bring a greater transformation, to bring a greater discovery of who you are as a good father. Bless this amazing family now, and bless this week. Lord, may we meet you and encounter you in grace as we sit and listen to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Well... Yeah, you're going to do something weird there. (laughs) I need it. I'm freaking out right now. Um, Do not deserve a friend like you. It is grace. 20 years of walking together. We get to continue. I'm not letting you go. (laughs) Um, He will be an elder in this church, but something does change. And uh, there's a release, and I just want to say that I don't deserve the goodness of God that has come through you. And we don't deserve 17 years of your love and your faith and your perseverance for this church, man. And thank God we have a six-month more, you know, how many months? No, it's not. How many months do we have? Two Two months. (laughs) I don't even know. See, I'm already trying to stretch the timeline. Actually, March 1st is now. We just changed the time. Uh, We're going to have big celebration and honor the history. This isn't that moment. Uh, we're going to have time over the next months to do it right and we wanted to let you know now so every one of you could come and personally say, you know, this is what you've been in my life like and thank God again. They're not moving. They live next door to me, but this is real. Like this is a this is a real surrender. And what you just gave us was a master class on being a disciple of Jesus. And every point you have embodied, I just want to commend you. Yes, as a pastor, yes, as a leader, as a friend, as a husband, as a father, but I would like to stand and I would like all of us to commend him as a follower of Jesus. Because I believe this step is prophesying to every one of you. Where is God asking you to follow Jesus? Because the only thing we're doing as a church is helping every person in this city who wants to, to follow Jesus in all of their life for all the days of their life. If you're here, that's Nava Church. And what you have embodied in your radical step again has gone ahead of us. And so if we could stand and commend David with all our heart as a follower of Jesus. Um, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, but first, uh, we are going to follow you, Jesus. And it will be hard, but in the end, we'll look into those beautiful Jewish eyes, and we will know as we are known, and nothing else on this earth will matter. It will all be worth it, because you are worth your reward. If we say yes to a job or we give it up, if we get fired or we go here, if we move to the ends of the earth or we stay in the same old boring house, it is to follow Jesus in all of our life. Leave no stone unturned. Come into our sexuality and our finance our relationships in our everyday work, into our parenting, into our stage and age of life. We want to love you, Jesus, like David Blackwell, and follow his example as he has followed Christ. And so we put a stake in the ground as a church. We're not here for our brand. We will multiply followers of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Because there is no other reason to live. And it is our joy. This is no sacrifice. Here is our life. All of it. Until we meet you face to face. So we always pray this great prayer. And it's all about the kingdom of God. And Jesus taught us how to pray it. Because we are a prayer movement. Amen. So let's pray the the words we always pray as followers of Jesus, yeah? Our Father. Amen.